When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Uh, today, I'm joined uh, with by Joe Cook, the uh, beat writer for Inside Texas on the Texas Longhorn football team. How you doing, Joe? Doing great. Just, uh, you know, we're, we're all dealing with this losing streak, but uh, <laughs> another, another day. No, nobody's dealing with it more than Steve Sarkeesian, and this is Mondays with Sark, so that's what we're calling it. You spent uh, Monday with Steve Sarkeesian a little bit and some players uh, today. Uh, let's talk about the news coming out of it and your take on on some things, because I, I think that the, it's going to be interesting. First of all, on the injury front, some, some momentous news. Uh, somewhat suspect, expected, though, with Bijan Robinson – uh, Sarkeesian saying he's out for the season. Yeah, tough news there. I think whenever you saw the stiff arm that uh, that ended up poorly, you could kind of tell something was was awry. Uh, and it really stinks for Bijan Robinson. There's there's no way about it. And it really stinks for Texas. Like that's that's their best player. Uh, Xavier Worthy is now their best player who's available, but uh, Bijan was their best player, and he could cover up a lot of holes um, on this offensive side of the ball. And that, that says a lot that, you know, this offense had holes covered up by him. That's how good he was. So really unfortunate, not only for a, a great player and a great person, but, but for the team. But um, I did make a point on the horn earlier today. I'm glad he got a thousand yards. So, you know, when we can look back in however many years and he's, you know, in a Texans jersey or some other place like that, uh, you know, he, we know that he was a thousand yard back at Texas and it's kind of surprising. There haven't been as many of those seasons as you would think, uh, not only considering the wishbone, but some of the great backs and the fact that he had one, um, and now, you know, we'll be able to come back next year and give another, give it another try. Uh, that's, that's kind of the, the, the only bright light in this situation, but the fact that he's not going to be on the field, um, is is pretty tough to deal with for Texas. Texas lost another starter as well, Josh Thompson, uh, the corner. Yeah, um, he's kind of had a quiet year, and that's may not be a bad thing for a defensive back. That he has uh, been pretty. Uh, he's handled most of his assignments well. We, I, I'm trying to think of times when I think of you know, man, Josh Thompson had a really bad game, and no, nothing really comes to mind. Uh, so that's going to put pressure not only on on Deshaun Jameson. Uh, it's going to put pressure on, on Darian Dunn and, and Jade Barron, uh, who they have had their moments, but had some bad moments against Kansas as well. So that's that's going to be tough. The good injury news uh, was that Texas could could get Jordan Whittington back uh, this weekend. And I think that's great news for the offense because I think it allows them to maybe get into a little bit more 11 personnel. 
uh, three wide receivers, uh, one running back, one tight end, uh, because in, in 12 personnel, it kind of dictates run. And without Bijan, that's that's tough. And with a banged up Roshan and and now Gabe Watson uh, and maybe Jonathan Brooks, I, I think you're going to see – you may see a little bit more passing uh, or at least 11 personnel from Steve Sarkeesian as a result. Um, and if Jordan Whittington – that is if Jordan Whittington comes back. And if he does – that gives you Xavier Worthy, Marcus Washington, and Jordan Whittington, who have had pretty good years so far. Yeah. Um, any update? Did he mention anything at all? Uh, I looked at the transcript before for this. I didn't see him say anything about Casey's thumb. No. Uh, Casey talked a little bit about that today. I think he was asked uh, straight up, are you 100%? And, and he said no. Um, so this is just kind of a, a, a nagging injury that you know football players have. Uh, it's just a high profile one because it's on the quarterback's throwing hand. Um, but he, Casey was able to make a good amount of throws. Uh, he was able to make the throws he was not able to make against Iowa State. Uh, and, you know, it, it's it's an ongoing process, as we well know. And uh, but it's it's part of football. So uh, he's not using it as as much of an excuse. At least that's how he sounded today. And uh, the team isn't either. If they're going to have him be the starting quarterback, which that's what Steve Sarkeesian said. All right, so going to go back to a couple of things you mentioned. First of all, uh, I noticed uh, on Casey Thompson that he had a bandaged right thumb to start the game, ended the, did not play in the second half with the bandage at all. He, he took that away. So, you know, whether it was bothering some in the first half or not, uh, you know, and he clearly played much better in the second half. Uh, the second thing that I would say, as uh, uh, you talk about going to 11 personnel, that immediately just – you know, PTSD sets in because I think about uh, the pass protection uh, this year when they've gone to 11 personnel, it's been brutal. Uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, Jordan Whittington is back and that somehow uh, manages it. Uh, I thought Calvante Dixon actually uh, had a good first true start, right, uh, and got into the mix. Uh, but a lot of that and the, the success in the passing game this past weekend, uh, how much of that was the opponent? Um, because every time they played a good opponent, a good defense, and West Virginia would be considered a good defense in this conference, uh, Texas has not played well uh, on offense. And so, uh, you know, I know that y'all didn't necessarily talk about that today, but I just want to put that out there because I feel some reticence, I guess, about going to a more wide-open attack. Um, Something else that you and I were talking about off-camera to start is – Sark, and I read it differently than the way it came out, and so this is good that you're going to be able to clarify this. He, he mentioned in his presser he may have 33 new faces on this roster next year because they were talking about uh, roster attrition and uh, that sort of thing. I took that, you know, having only read the transcript and not watching the, the uh, presser or being there like you were, I took that as, oh, wow, he's really going to turn over the roster. You didn't get the same feel based on being there today. Explain what you mean by that. So I think the question was asked basically in, in regards to, are you going to turn over this roster? And that, that answer, you know, I, I could easily see us with 33 new scholarship players on our team next year. makes you think, yes, he's going to, you know, get rid of this guy, bring in this guy. 33 new scholarship players is there's 21 commits in the 2022 class right now. They have room for, I think what five or six, they, they intend on taking a full class. Uh, and then what that means. So that's 25, uh, maybe 26. If you back count a few with some early enrollees, 
Um, then you get six or seven transfer in there. Boom, you're at 33. And then you have to think about guys who either hang up the cleats or graduate or, or head to the NFL. Like, I don't think that was a, you know, very, I don't think it was the drastic statement on the roster a lot of people wanted it to be. I think it does indicate, you know, no coach will ever publicly talk about his guys. You know, they always say, this is my program and not. But these are, you know, it, it, these are guys who will have better fits for some of the things that he's looking for. Um, are his class in, in the fact that, you know, they are committing to him and they weren't committing to Tom Herman or any other coach. So I, I get what he's saying there. Now, I also still think that that means they're going to be aggressive with, with going through the portal uh, because he could have said, you know, I anticipate 25 or 26, which would be basically the high school and JUCO guys. By going up to 33, that's kind of an indicator that, hey, the portal is going to get some look at the same time. Um, but I don't think that means he's bringing in, you know, double digit, you know, just it, basically an entire new part of the two deep via the portal. And I think that's what some people wanted it to be. Uh, but that's not what I got from it. Well, just strict numbers. You're allowed 85 scholarships in uh, Division One. Um, there was a change on that based on the COVID year. That's now being uh, phased out, I believe. But if you take 33 of 85, that's more than, I mean, that's almost 40% of your roster turning over in a single year. That, that's pretty heavy turnover. Even if he didn't mean it in the, hey, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to really turn this over and we're going to go out there and change the world. Right. I mean, he, he's saying that, yeah, there there's room and there's going to be roster turnover. Right. Now, one person though, that, that did kind of go at it a little bit differently is Keandre Coburn. Uh, the uh, uh, junior defensive tackle uh, met with the media today and one of his quotes, and I'm paraphrasing here uh, was essentially, um, you know, yeah, there are people that aren't bought in to this and those guys aren't going to be here all the time. You know, we're trying to find the people that are going to buy in and we're going to go do this. Um, and so as I'm thinking about that, Joe, uh, that means that, that some players are acknowledging uh, uh, some disconnect, uh, right among their own teammates. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, from talking to the other, who were the other players there today? Uh, they had Casey Thompson and, and, uh, Ovia Gofu and Derek Kerstetter. Okay. Yeah. It, anybody else have anything to say other than, than Keandre about that sort of thing or. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, their, their rationale, I mean, here's the thing about what Keandre said. Yeah, I think people are a little surprised that it was said, but I mean, we can see it when, you know, they, they've lost five straight. They lost to Kansas. It's not like that's breaking news or anything like that. It's not like this is a 10 win team where he comes out and says like, actually we all hate each other behind the scenes and you're confused on how it happens. Like that, that he's saying what we know pretty much to be true is that there is a disconnect. And that's why Steve Sarkeesian started off his post game press conference talking about, a team that lacks, you know, people fully bought in on trying to get a, a commitment 
discipline, toughness, accountability. That's why he started off with that because it, it was, it's obvious to him. It's obvious to us and it's obvious to other people on the team. So um, I, I'm not super shocked that Keandre said it. Uh, I think it mostly just illustrates where we're at right now. And also the uphill battle that Steve Sarkeesian got himself into by uh, taking over this program. Anybody else say anything that you, you caught today that you were really interested in? I'm trying to think. Uh, Ovi, I, I'm always really interested to hear about what Ovi Agofu says because Keandre Coburn, while he was on that 2018 team uh, that won the Sugar Bowl, that's kind of the only thing of consequence they've won. And to be fair, bowls have diminished in importance in this past decade. Uh, Casey Thompson is still, I mean, he's going to start this week, but he's, you know, he's no entrenched guy. Uh, and uh, Derek Kerstetter, again, kind of similar description to, that applies to, to Coburn. Meanwhile, Ovi Gofu has been on playoff teams. So I'm always kind of curious to hear about what uh, his, his outlook is on it and stuff like that. And he's also a very quiet guy, at least when speaking with the media, really soft-spoken. Um, but, you know, you can just tell by talking with him, like that's a guy who has seen what it takes to get to the playoffs, has seen what a program that is – fully dedicated and raring to go and do the things needed in order to compete in the landscape like Notre Dame, both in the administration and inside the locker room, what that looks like. And uh, this isn't a shot at the Texas administration because I don't think we're at that point yet, nor do we need to get there. Uh, but it, it, and I don't think it's a shot at the locker room, but I think it's still, you know, it, a lot of this seems in his answers just shocking to him or you know he's not used to this and I don't think any Texas player really is uh because you know they don't recruit for the most part they don't recruit guys who came from two win high school teams because if they're that good they wouldn't have two wins but this is a guy who came program and now he's in a four and six team and so um you know I I can always kind of tell he's trying to be as positive trying to be as upbeat as you can but like it like it does for anybody paying attention to the program it it weighs on him and especially someone who's done it at this level he get asked about being held on that last play no that that didn't that didn't make it out and uh i i i thought about that a little bit as i was reviewing highlights after the game and i'm thinking there are a lot worse flags that aren't thrown uh it was holding but there are a lot of there are a lot worse holding calls that aren't identified by the not guy. when you're escaping the pocket uh, that that and it happened right in front of both refs and they just they ate their flag I mean no not that it would have changed the outcome of the game because they probably still would have kicked the field goal afterwards or something like that but that 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 was that was bad news there um uh the other thing that came out and this was interesting because we had heard that Texas had a a uh, little bit of a flu epidemic uh early in the week uh, but uh, Sarkeesian said that 25 Longhorns missed Texas's Tuesday practice of this past week. I don't know if practice would have helped, um, but that's that's a lot of kids out in, in a single practice. Um, did he say anything? And one of those was Keelan Robinson, right? Well, Keelan Robinson was in COVID protocols, and they okay. expect him back. Uh, Sarkeesian said they expect him back with the program uh, tomorrow but he said that yeah 25 players and i think we even had mentioned this on a humidor scoop on inside texas uh that 25 players miss that practice that's what you got 115 100 right 115 guys on your roster on a typical year 
so that's you know, and it, it was it, it, he made no identifications on where where it was, what position group, whether it was walk on or stuff. But still, that makes practice a little bit tougher to come by uh, during the week. So uh, it's something that they had to deal with, and it's kind of one of those when it rains it pours moments. It sounds like for for the Longhorn football program. Yeah, Eric Nolene uh, of Inside Texas said that at one point on Tuesday there were only two scholarship defensive linemen uh, on the field uh, during a practice. I, I just don't – I can't for the life of me believe that that actually had – an uh, was dependent on the outcome of the game because the defense looked like it's looked all year. Um, and so I was glad actually that while he acknowledged it at the very end of his presser, he didn't start with it or try to, to uh, you know, what's the right word? Uh, make an excuse, right. essentially. He, he came over tackling, eh, you, know, it, you know, other people get have this issue too and, and whatnot. Uh, anything said about Xavier Worthy uh, today that, that you – he's got to be, um, as you and I talk about this, uh, and you mentioned it early on, uh, he may be the tech, best player in a Texas jersey right now. Yeah, he, he really uh, he really is. I don't know who else you can throw throw that honor to uh, with, what, 22, 23 targets? That's crazy. Uh, Casey Thompson talked a little bit about it, and he just, you know, it, it always goes back to his speed. Um, but one thing you notice is, you know, for a 165, 170-pound guy, when he's at the sideline, he's he's finishing runs, he's and he's knocking people down. He's not always – going down to the turf and, and, you know, having to get himself back up after a tackle, he's, he's making the play. So uh, I know you've talked about how, how special he's been at a, in a Texas uniform or compared to others in a Texas uniform. And that's even after just what, 10 games. Uh, so I, I see it too. And there, there's a reason why defenses have to focus on him. And now we're going to kind of be able to continue to doubly focus on him without the threat of Bijan Robinson. Best, in my opinion, best combination of prospect and player at the position Texas has ever had. And that includes Roy Williams, Jordan Shipley. Uh, you know, he's a better player than Roy was. He's a better route runner than Roy was. Uh, you know, Roy has some size advantages, so there's an issue there. You can argue that Jordan Shipley certainly has had a more decorated career uh, but not necessarily that kind of outright speed, uh, right. but uh, just a phenomenal young football player. And as far as him going at people on the sideline and, and that sort of thing, it's my dad told me this a long time ago. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And yeah. uh, I think, it, you know, who else is like that? I thought about that. Quandre Diggs, Earl mm-hmm. Thomas, small guys, not, you know, relatively speaking, small compared to normal humans and not, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it's it, football takes you know it, it's one of those sports where um, a desire and want to and uh, the willingness to be violent and physical uh, are as valuable uh, as sometimes some some other aspects of just pure size. Um, Sark's demeanor today, in your opinion. I mean, I don't think it was anything different than he has been. He's been pretty forthright. Uh, sometimes you have to prod to get some injury and availability question information, but that's, you know, he can join the list of every other head coach who's like that. So um, I think he's been consistent in, in how he has approached these things. Um, I also think that he's, he's trying to show, I think to the fans that 
hey, he, he's trying to get it fixed. I think that's always his message. Now, they want to see results, but I think, you know, he's not in there going like, oh, we're, we're trying to just, you know, if we get this process right or stuff like that. Like, he, he knows that there's issues and they're trying to get it fixed. And But, you know, people want to see action and not words. So, but I mean, there's nothing that I can ever really find from walking away from a Steve Sarkeesian press conference. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how did he say that? And I think... I mean, I know this is a football video, but I think Chris Beard did that last week when talking about the Gonzaga game, and he's two games in. So Steve Sarkeesian, I don't think, did that uh, this week at all. And uh, I think he's just been the same old start, forthright and honest, but having to answer tough questions. Yeah, I, I think that um, I will say this, talking to some, and, and you know this, I talked to some fairly influential alumni throughout the season, and sun, Saturday or Sunday was no different. Um in, in a little bit today. And I think that one of the reasons uh, Sark has almost unilateral support among those alumni is the way he's handling himself in the downtime. He's not uh, overtly pointing fingers or denigrating other people or putting it on his staff or, yeah, yeah he's not doing anything like that uh, that, that would um, – make him feel like he's not a leader in the way that they want the University of Texas football team to be led. Um, and so uh, I think that as Texas fans look at it, and, and especially as recruiting comes down to the wire here the first couple of weeks of December, uh, that's going to be a, a big part of this process, especially if there's going to be 33 new faces on this roster come next year. So, all right, Joe, you have anything you want to add before we get going? All I got. Thank you, Bobby. Hey, thank you, bud. I really appreciate you. Each and every Monday, Joe and I, I talk on Mondays with Sark. He goes to the press conferences, talks to the not only to, to Coach Sarkeesian, but also uh, the players that are there as well. Uh, for Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton. Please consider subscribing to our YouTube page. Also, please consider subscription to InsideTexas.com. Inside Texas is your number one source for Longhorn football, basketball, and recruiting news. Joe, thanks a bunch, man. Have a good one.